Oh my gosh, it is so amazing. I found a vulture like underneath me the other day and I saw him circling and I was like, woohoo! Like, and I started circling with it. And it was just like, there's no one in the air. And I was alone just with this bird. And I was following it because I was like, you have more experience than me. And so, and so there's nothing really like it. Episode 364, Learning to Soar with Yvette Owayo. You're listening to the Adventure Sports Podcast, brought to you by 180 Tech. We talk with adventurers from around the globe to bring you the inspiration and motivation you need to get started in the outdoors or to keep you moving if you're already there. Now here's your host, Kurt Linville. Hey, Kurt here. Today's show is about flight. Not just one type of flight, but it's about learning to fly in three different ways. Yvette Awayo is on the horn with me, and she is down in Phoenix, near Phoenix, Glendale, Arizona. She tells me she's sitting outside, like one of these sidewalk cafes, and it's sunny, and she has on a tank top, and it's really nice, so the rest of us can just start being jealous right now. But Yvette, thank you for coming on the Adventure Sports Podcast to share your love of flying today. Hello, Kurt. (laughs) It's nice to be here. Well, we're really excited to hear all about it. And so we're going to also hear the birds and the buses and the cars and the wind, and that's going to be part of the fun. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just saw someone on their a motorcycle just stall out when they're making a turn right in front of me. I'm like, oh, it's perfect. <laughs> this is actually exactly what's happening right now. Well, you give us the play-by-play. Keep us entertained. We do motorcycles <laughs> on the show, too, so that's good. It's all good. <laughs> So Yvette grew up in Arizona and took up flying some time back, and she started with sailplanes or gliders, right? And then went to prop planes and then to hang gliding. She also does river guiding, and she's a climber, just another adventurer extraordinaire. So Yvette, (laughs) we're excited to hear all about it, but we're going to focus most of our energy on hang gliding, right? Okay, sweet. Yep. Okay, but we want to hear about your journey into flight. And I was thinking about this before we hit record. I was remembering the Mm -hmm. Wright brothers. And it's kind of (laughs) funny because their first flyable airplane wasn't that far removed from a hang glider in a way. Yeah, yeah, they were really similar. But, I mean, the whole idea of something really, really light that you can get in the air with just a slight breeze, you know? <laughs> yeah, and they still do um they still do hang gliding out there cuz that was like a really great spot um where they started. I'm not too sure. I, oh my gosh, it's like near Kitty Hawk, Kitty Hawk hang gliding or something like that. They Kitty Hawk they kites. Do, yeah, Kitty Hawk kites, that's what it was. <laughs> yeah, they have those events like all the time. They're having a huge one coming up. I'm not quite sure about the name, but I was I was thinking about going to it before I before I peel out this season for guiding. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think I'm like as far, like, I don't think I'm like as far as advanced as those guys, but really I kind of, I didn't even get started in it. Like I think more usually people do. I was, you know, I always hear from like, you hear from like fellow like pilots who are, in the in it for a long time though I was like oh I like I had dreams about this when I was a kid and this is always like a huge fantasy of mine and I made it happen and I'm like oh man like that's not how I got into it at all <laughs> um 
I kind of, you know, I started in sailplanes and that really happened on accident. I remember it was a few years ago. I, I was, you know, I was in college and it was my birthday. And I, I remember I was like, oh, I'm going to make this the best birthday ever. Like, and I was by myself. <laughs> so I ended up, I was like, oh, maybe I can go on a lovely hike. So I ended up driving um, north of Phoenix and I saw this like beautiful rock formation, like out way out in the desert and I was like oh that's it I'm going to that and I had like half a tank of gas and like I'm like getting closer and closer to the rock and then it starts getting like it's like the road starts turning into like a service road and it's like it's bumpy and I'm in like a small sedan and I'm like oh gosh I might not be able to make it so finally comes a point to where it's like only high clearance vehicles and I disappointed because I was like oh man I told myself it'd be an amazing birthday I turn around and I start heading back to Phoenix and I I passed by the sign and I'm pretty much in the middle of the desert and it says like glider rides and there's like this like you know it's a picture of a sailplane I'm like whoa what is that so I I turn around and I go up there and there's some who would end up being my future instructor Gary with North um, Northwest Sky Sports he's there and I'm like hi it's my birthday I'm here to have like a wonderful time and and he is like oh, sweet, glider rides are 150. And I was like, I don't have that much money on me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was like, oh, like, I was like, turned around walking away. And he was like, well, I could just take you up. And um, I'll just take you up anyways. And I was like, what? Like, I was so thankful, you know, no one's ever really done anything like that for me. And I was so scared. We were up there and I was like, is this worth it? <laughs> I, was like, I, was like, I was like, I don't know if this is the right idea. I was, I was like, I didn't even tell anyone where I was. If this thing goes down, how are they going to find my body? <laughs> and, um, and I ended up, you know, the ride was fun and I got down and I was leaving and he was like, well, do you want to take lessons? And I was like, oh wait, actually, sorry, I'm getting it kind of mixed up. So I'm leaving and I already in my head, I'm like, okay, I'm going to call back tomorrow and pay him back with my credit card. And so I call him in like two days and to pay him and I pay him that difference. And then he's like, well, do you want to take glider rides? And I'm like, I can't afford that. I'm in college. I'm like, I couldn't even afford a ride. Like, and he was like, well, I can give you discounted lessons. And I was like, wow. So I started going out there and I remember I didn't tell my family about this at all. They're so conservative and like safe. I was like going out there and I went out like four times and and I was learning. I was like, wow, I really love this. I think I'm going to stick with it. And and then I told my family, I was like, hey, I think I'm a pilot now. And they were like, what? And I was just like, yeah, like, like it's amazing. And, and, um, and, you know, from there, I just kind of, I met people and I asked around and I, I wanted to find a way to make that my life. So I found someone who gave me some private lessons on a prop plane. And he moved back to Utah because he was on his way for commercial airlines. So I've been kind of just studying for my private pilot's license, which I still haven't got yet because I am like, I spread myself out thin over activities. But so like about a year ago, I, I was like, I want to, you know, I want to fly and I want to find something that's like relatively cheap, but different. And I found, you know, I tried to get in contact with this one guy who was offering lessons and he kept turning me down. He was like, I was like, I really want to fly with you. He was like, I'm so busy. Like he didn't even get back to me until like a month after and it was already getting warm here. So I knew the thermals were kicking off already. And I was like, I was like, I really want to fly. And he was just like, 
oh, I'm so busy. Go to these people, Sonora, it's called Sonora Wings. And I was like, no, like, I want to go with you. You seem like older, more experienced. And he was just like, no, like, really go to these people. So I go over to Sonora Wings, which is like amazing now. Um, and I told him, I'm like, oh, I have experience in sailplanes. So I think they assumed I like knew how to fly or something. <laughs> uh, so, so we get there and I don't know, you said you haven't been on a tandem yet, but basically it's like this like huge hang glider that has um, two harnesses, you know, one below and one above, and you can both control the hang glider. So, so the student can be on top or below, but usually I put more experienced students below because you have more control of the hang glider. Um, and that was my first time out there. And I remember it was already hot because the season was ending for Sonora wings. They leave. So they leave Arizona, um, around may or june because it's just too hot and they go back to um jackson and wyoming and do hang gliding yeah they do hang gliding out there too um and i remember it was like warm and so that means it was like it was kind of active so the air was really bumpy and stuff and and they put me on bottom so basically i'm like i'm like not that small but i was a lot smaller than my tandem instructor so basically it means you have to move your own body the hang glider and the weight of the other person when you're on tow so they work by aero tow so a small experimental like light aircraft pulls the hang glider up so basically that's like a lot of force on the airplane and you know you have to you have to know what you're doing basically which is not the case for me so we get on tow and um and it's kind of bumpy and I'm like and they put me on the bottom so I have more control and I'm kind of frightened I'm like I've never done this like and they're towing me up and again I felt that feeling I was like is this even worth it like (laughs) (laughs) and (laughs) and um and I remember there's there's this thing that can happen on tow it's called a lockout so basically the glider starts going into a turn and it's it's like so much pressure that it's like almost impossible to correct it and get back behind the airplane so you start turning and you know if you're close to the ground it could be a a bad situation but we were about to release and and I remember my instructor was like press the release and I was like trying to and like and I was so scared because we were starting to like lock out which I didn't know what was happening at first I just knew the glider was starting to go like it was starting to like go sideways and I was like oh my god like and I was like I knew I had more control and I couldn't get the release and finally you know we got it and everything was fine but they were like yeah the season here is ending so I don't know why you came out so late and I was like I I don't know Um, but (laughs) what a wild ride what a wild way to start (laughs) yeah that's crazy so we you got to tell us the rest of the story of this first ride I got to hear it but I just have to say I mean this is like oh it's my birthday and oh I couldn't get to the rocks I wanted to get to and oh well I don't have the money to to go up in the glider and oh but he's gonna let me go up for free and Oh, but I can't do lessons with these guys. And oh, but these guys, but it's, you know what I mean? Everything was just like, it happened, right? Yeah, it was just like, it happened like for me. And I was just like, I, you know, there was opportunities and I was like jumping on them right when they represented themselves, you know? I think that might be key, huh? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was like, I tried to behave like that now, except sometimes, you know, in reality, it's not a very good habit to have if you're like trying to be responsible. But, but it's been really fun. <laughs> well, I have to say, the first time I skied, 
was because the opportunity presented itself. I didn't expect it. It happened. I grabbed, I, you know, I jumped for it. The first time I went scuba <laughs> diving, the opportunity just presented itself. I jumped for it and, and it happened. Yeah. I didn't plan these things. They were just things I wanted to try someday. And sometimes when you have a list like that and you're patient, it happens. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. And then it becomes part of you and you're like, wow, like this actually worked out. <laughs> that's right. It goes from I hope to, to I am, right? I am yeah. a scuba diver. I am a skier. I am a hang glider now. So that was your first hang gliding flight. Once you got off the toe and were just flying, <laughs> what was it like? Oh my gosh. It was so wonderful because I've, I've only experienced, you know, being in the sky, like in the closed container. Um, I remember my instructor like opened the door of the cockpit of the sailplane, but I was like, it, the wind was so loud going against the aircraft that I was like scared, right. but it's so quiet up there. And, um, and it's, it's really intuitive. Like it's, it's really an intuitive sport. So for me, someone who like, I only have technique to go off of cause I'm not that strong. I just, you know, I really appreciate it. And like, you can feel the weather changing and like hitting your face and it's, it's amazing. You're like, you're in a completely different environment that I think is kind of hard to recreate in situations where you're not actually just hanging in the sky. Mm. <laughs> That sounds so cool. So it, that's been more attractive to me than flying in, in a, like a single engine plane. That sounded like an airplane too. Let me guess, that's a bus. <laughs> yeah, it was. Sorry about that. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> you know, I think it's great when we catch up with someone adventurous and they're out and about. You know, it's just part of the lifestyle sometimes. I'm out and about myself right now, I didn't tell you, but I am on my mobile recording station. So... It's all oh, good. Cool. Yeah. I love modern technology. <laughs> yeah, to be able to work remotely from, you know, wherever you want, basically, as long as you have that internet signal. Yeah, that's awesome. That's Spring. awesome. Well, I was starting to ask more about this flight, but I guess where I was headed with it is that, you know, I have taken a couple of flying lessons in a Cessna, and I enjoyed that a lot, but I always thought I really just want to fly like a bird. Flying with a, <laughs> with a piece of metal equipment is cool, but I'd really like to get that sensation of being the bird in the sky. And I think that's oh, what yeah. you're talking about, right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Because you're, yeah, you're, there's nothing that can help rise you up other than your own knowledge and, you know, feeling the air. So yeah, there's, it's pure. It's just a pure feeling. Wow. So I have to ask about, um, did, was that first flight just really, really scary? Really, really <laughs> exciting? Did you walk away from it saying, okay, I don't have to do that again? Or was it like, oh, I <laughs> no. am so hooked. I'm down with this. No, I was like, oh, no. Like, I've ruined my future. It's like, I have to do this now. <laughs> it was, yeah. It was It was really interesting. I, because I... I was like secretly so happy on the inside, but when they were like, how was it? I was like, it was nice. <laughs> but I was like, oh, like I was like talking about it for days on end, like when I left and, and, you know, that was something that I think I, I've experienced certain, diff certain like modes of flight. And I think that one for me, and I haven't tried paragliding, so I wouldn't know that one for me was like, it felt so natural and it felt so much easier. Like 
it, I always had trouble finding thermals and sailplanes because I was like disconnected from the atmosphere. You know, I couldn't mm. feel everything that was happening. They say, if you enter, you know, if you cross the thermal, one of your wings tilts up and I had so much trouble like recognizing that. But as soon as I, you know, in hang gliders, you feel it and you really feel it. Cause you're like this, like tiny, this tiny little bird in the sky. And it just like the wind kicks you and you're like, Oh, that's it. And you just, you go right, you turn your wing right back into it. And, and it was just like game changing for me. I mean, I was like, I can't do anything else now. Like this has to be it. Okay. So here's one of my concerns about hang gliding and it's not founded. I am a hang gliding ignorant person. Okay. <laughs> but you have tubing, you have fabric, you have cables and that's it. And I, I think, ah, it scares me a little bit because fabric tears, cables fray, tubing snaps. I mean, are these things really safe? Do you feel safe when you're, when you're on your kite? I, yeah, I feel really safe. I mean, they are rigid structures. So I think collapsing is less common in a hang glider, which is what I'm afraid of is collapsing. So that's when the wings like do snap. And I've, I haven't never experienced that because I'm new. So I'm like a beginner novice. And um, I've heard, I hear like paragliding basically is just like mini collapses like all the time and you're responding to it. And that just freaks me out because I, I don't know. I, I don't know how I would react to it. I know how I would react to it in a hang glider. I would have to throw my chute because you, you know, everyone has one connected to their harness. Um, but I feel, I feel really safe in it. That's I'm trying to think something. of, That's yeah, cool. and I, yeah, and I'm like a scared person. I get scared really easily, like on mountain biking. I was like, I get scared of like, but in hang gliding, I haven't, I'm, and again, like I'm new. So maybe I haven't been in situations where I could have, you know, gotten hurt. Whereas other people have, or I hear about, you know, people's people getting tossed in a really turbulent air and, you know, their wings like snap or something, but I don't, I don't know because I haven't gone through it yet. So. <laughs> well, if the wing snaps, I'll let you know. <laughs> I, I mean, I've seen that, and it looks like so fast and aggressive that, of course, you only have one option when that really happens is to throw your chute because there's not. But you kind of you weigh that before you go into it. You're like, well, is this worth it? And then you decide from there. And I mm. think it's worth it. But <laughs> So how many flights have you done? Oh my gosh, it's hard to say. I think I, hold on, I'm trying to do the math in my head. Maybe I've gone up probably 30 times, 25. I was going to say, have you run out of fingers and toes? Have you been up that many times yet? <laughs> so basically I started last season and I had like six flights on tandem and then they threw me off of Miriam Crater. So there's like old like hills in Flagstaff, Arizona that are like, remnants of some cinder cone volcano or something so i did that and then the season ended here in arizona because it's when it's hot it's like there's dust devils and thermals and can be really dangerous but um i've done like so many flights this season that i don't even i can't even remember but they've all been pretty short until fairly recently so were they short because that's part of the training program or were they short because of the conditions or what made them short no, they were short um, as far as the training goes and the people who who are like mentoring me. They want to keep me safe. So they set me off and it's called like glass offs. It's just really smooth air. And there's not a lot of like therm- 
thermal activity when I'm going up because I just want to really like fine tune the way I behave in the glider. So it's based off of my mentors, you know, and the people who are instructing me, like it's snore winks. They're like, we want to keep you in stable conditions. So the air's not, you know, moving around a lot and you're not getting thrown around just so that way you can get really comfortable in landing. And then, you know, they slowly started introducing me to more like to being towed in like more thermally conditions and, you know, landing on my feet and this and that. And it wasn't until like, I think a couple of days ago, they actually gave me one of their variometers. So it shows your altitude. And if you're gaining lift or losing lift, so if you're going up or down. And I was like obsessed with it. I was like in the air and like it beeps really fast when you're, you know, when you're gaining lift. So I would just hear that beeping. And I was like, yes, like I was so <laughs> obsessed with it that I ended up. Yeah, I was obsessed with it. I was chasing it. I was like, I can totally see why people got themselves into trouble, like into sticky situations, like of being low because they're chasing that, you know, that lift and the sound. And and yeah, that was it. Sorry if I got off track. No, it's awesome. I just love to hear about the experience. It's fun. It's amazing. So let's go back to that very first tandem flight and tell us about <laughs> the landing. What were you thinking and feeling as you're coming toward the ground and how did it turn out? <laughs> oh my gosh. I was like, what if my face like scrapes like along the ground, like a cheese grater? That's like the only thing I oh. thought. It's like, wait a <laughs> Cause that was when I really realized that there was nothing in between me and the ground. That was like, where I was like, maybe I like sailplanes. And then I was like, <laughs> because you have that like protection. Yeah. But you flare the you flare the hang glider just oh, before yeah. you hit, okay. and then were you able to land on your feet? How did it turn out? No, so actually, tandem hang gliders have these two huge wheels in the front and a tail wheel, so you can basically you basically land like a regular sailplane. So you come in, you know, with a little bit of speed, and as you're getting into ground effects, so as you're getting closer to the ground, you just you know you ease up on the controls and slow down, and then you push out and you flare. So it's, it's pretty similar to sailplanes, which, um, at first was like intimidating and you don't, in Arizona, actually, you don't, from where I'm learning, you learn to land on wheels first. Cause even for like solo student training, you have these two huge wheels in the front, which help you and you have, you, you land on your belly first. So you're landing on your, you're landing lying prone and it's like really comfortable and safe feeling. And then that's when they start to introduce you into landing on your feet, which is like, if you don't learn that, I don't know. I just landing on my feet for some people I I've heard that it's like super easy, but I get, I have such a mental block of, of landing on my feet with a huge like device strapped onto my back. So I'm kind of bad at it. (laughs) You'll get there. So what has been the biggest surprise about hang gliding for you? Oh man. Um, I think the biggest surprise might be um, how confident I am in my own decision making because you get it when you're learning, you have an instructor with you at all times and they're constantly reaffirming or telling you which of your choices are bad or not. So I myself am like a perfectionist and I really love to do things perfectly and right and like to the book. And I, um, once I was alone, I was kind of, I expected myself to look more for, to be a little bit worried for, to need the like validation of my instructor. 
And I just didn't, you know, I was really confident in my decision making that I had when I was doing my approach and when I would hit a little bit of bumpy air. And I was really, I was really happy about that. As I'm sure you know from listening to the Adventure Sports Podcast, some of the safest and best snow conditions for backcountry skiing of the whole year happen in the springtime. And Bentgate has the gear you need. Come check out the latest in Alpine Touring, Telemark, NTN, and Splitboarding gear. They have brands like Black Crows, DPS, Dinafit, G3, Icelandic, K2, Technica Blizzard, Arcteryx, Mammoth, Solomon, Vole, Neversummer, Jones, and BCA. And you do need to be safe out there. Bentgate has the latest in avalanche safety gear. They have beacons, airbags, shovels, and probes, and they're ready to help you educate yourself on snow safety. They also rent out gear so you can get your skis and your boots there as well as your avalanche safety equipment. What's more, they also have free demo ski days at local resorts so you can try out the latest gear. Now, how much fun does that sound? So swing by Bentgate in Golden, Colorado. Or go to bentgate.com to find your new gear, as well as to get updates on all of their events. Well, here's a question that just popped into my mind. When I was doing a little bit of flying in uh, planes, right, I flew a couple of Cessnas, but then I ended up flying kind of a a souped-up Mooney. And the reason I mention that is because the, the Cessna is when you're holding the yoke and you want to move the plane around, there's quite a bit of, of uh, movement to make the plane do what you want. And then I got in this souped up Mooney and all you do is just change the amount of pressure on your fingertips and the, the plane responds. And I've always looked at a hang glider and I thought, okay, so is it like the Cessna where I'm really moving things around to get what I want or is it more subtle? That sounded so like an F-16. I, was that an F-16? It was a, no, it was another bus. It was actually oh. a Metro bus. So <laughs> that was close. Tell everybody it was, it was like, an F-16 next time, okay? That you're on your <laughs> you're on your hang glider right now, and one just went by, and you're caught in the jet stream. And <laughs> oh man, I wish that would be so nice. <laughs> yeah. So back to the question, though. How, oh yeah. How responsive are they? So I'm in like a beginner glider, so they're not they're really stable. So that means basically they just want to kind of stay straight. So the amount of input that I have to put in is huge. Like when I was, when I was like thermaling, I was like basically like doing like a one arm pull up with one arm and like, you know, pushing out with the opposing to like stay, to stay in the thermal, or at least I was, because that's like that glider just wants to fly straight. But as I've heard, you know, the really high performance gliders are like, you need a lot less input to, to control them. So it, it can go either way, really just for me, I have to put in a lot and I haven't had the chance to fly like a high performance one. So I haven't got to experience how sensitive they are. Mm. Um, but I've heard they're super easy, like, but they're, you know, you can't just jump right into that because yeah, you you'll can overdo hurt it. yourself. Yeah, exactly. So let's let's get a mental picture of what's going on here. You're hanging underneath the wing. You've got a triangle of bars that comes under you that you can hang on to. And as you shift the bars around, the angle of the yep. wing is changing. But you're still kind of the center of gravity of this thing because you're hanging there, right? Yeah. 
And so you move the bar to the right, and you're going to go left. You move the bar to the left, and you're going to go right. You move the bar out, you're going to tip up. And if you move the bar in, you're going to tip down. Did I get it right? Yeah. Um, you're not really moving the bar. You're moving your body in position to the, relative to the bar. So you're so you're hanging. Um, you're hanging. You know, from uh, the king post, I believe it is. Not the king post. The keel. So you're hanging like around the middle of that like vertical. Um, Got it. Per- perpendicular to the wings, yep. and you're pulling your body to the left, and that's putting that input in. So that was like another mistake I made. I would always try to move the bar around instead of moving my body over or, you know, to the side of the bar. I would just try to move the bar with my arms when really it's like all in your hips. And I have such trouble doing that. I'm actually a terrible dancer too. So that made a lot of sense. I was like, okay, well, I'm not good at this for that reason. And, um, but it's really, you know, it's really just, you're moving your whole body kind of like a pencil relative to the bar. And that's Neat. what makes it, you know, move to the right and stuff. You know, whitewater kayaking is like that too. People think you're pushing yes. yourself around with a paddle, but no, you're moving the boat around with your hips. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. And I learned that too, because um, that's what I do. And and that also, kayaking and like flying, you know, the, the atmosphere isn't just empty. It has density to it. So the way it moves over the mountains and the way it's the same thing as the way like water moves over you know, rocks and creates eddies and that. Ah. So that was something else that I thought really helped me and like kind of helps me move around within the like atmosphere, even though you can't see it. It's just like, you know, you kind of, you're kind of that like, you're reacting with your hips, like very like in very small movements relative to like what you're feeling in the air or in the water. Cool. You know? All right. How about this one? We love this. We haven't asked this story in a while for this story, but a time that things went wrong, something that shook you up a little bit. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like my first like arrow toe. So my first like flight, the actual, there's um this thing called a bridle. So that's what connects your, um that's what connects your harness to kind of the hang glider. And then the toe line connects to that and to the airplane. And I was connected to it in my very first like solo on Aeroto, so my very first solo flight without anyone around me, we went up like <laughs> we went up. I don't know, probably only like it was probably only like fifteen or twenty feet, but it felt super high to me. So as soon as I started, I got you're on this like dolly cart, so you're holding onto it, and the plane starts going. And once you have enough lift, you let go of the dolly cart and you shoot up over the airplane. And the first, the very first, like right when I shot up the line broke so I, I was like oh no <laughs> so I was still had enough runway left to pull in and like safely land um but it wasn't I didn't go over that hypothetical situation with my instructor um until the very the first flight before that he because I said what if I was like what if the line breaks prematurely and then we simulated that and then I was like, oh, okay. She's like, that'll never happen, though. Like, you'll be fine. And then the very first flight, that's what happened. And I was like, oh. I was, like, kind of shook, shooken up. And, you know, everything was fine. And I, um, we did, a, you know, another flight right after that. And it was, it was fine. But so I didn't funny. anticipate. Yeah, I didn't anticipate that to happen. Because that's just something you just hope won't happen, you know? <laughs> you know, and things like that do happen. And that make for the best stories. I'm not advising anyone to do what I'm getting ready to say because it was a bad idea, but still, it was great. <laughs> My first scuba dive was not in a pool. I didn't take lessons. I just went, 
and I ran out of air <laughs> at 70 feet. No. <laughs> For real. Now, and, and I, I can keep going with this. My first skydive, tandem dive, the drogue chute that holds you so you don't fall faster than a single diver, skydiver, right? The, the drogue chute got tangled in our, our <gasps> warble. So it was all tangled up and it couldn't pull our main. And oh I my just, gosh. every time I try something, it seems like something goes unplanned, right? Something was unplanned, but it was fine. <laughs> the instructor knew what to do and he maneuvered around till he finally managed to grab something and fling it out into the air. And it, and it actually did go ahead and deploy. But <laughs> these things happen. And so on your first solo flight, the line breaks. I know. And that's the thing, too, is like everyone that will act calm and collected in front of you. And then like when it's all said and done, like a week later, I'll be like, oh, I was so scared. And, like I was like, oh, I was like, I don't trust you anymore. And, you know, and even I'm sure you felt like, did you feel safe when you were skydiving? How did that feel? Like when you looked up and you saw that, did you comprehend? <laughs> <laughs> I actually wasn't sure what was going on because I was underneath the instructor. <laughs> Couldn't really look up. I just knew that yeah, so... we were going really fast and I was having a lot of fun. And <laughs> yeah. And that's like ignorance is bliss. You're it like, is. you don't know like what's going right, like what's wrong, right? So you're like, woo. <laughs> well, the one thing that I should have put together, but in my lack of experience, had no idea. Is that when the the pilot or the drogue shoot, you know, finally did deploy, the lines were still twisted and it caused oh. us to spin. So we were spinning and I'm watching the world go in circles and I'm going, why are we oh. spinning? Why are we spinning? And then <laughs> later I found out that it was because of the way that that shoot deployed. And then, of course, we corrected it and just had a beautiful dive. But I, I wanted to bring uh. that up anyway, because that's the closest I've been to hang gliding is after we opened our main. And I got to fly the canopy to the ground. I was enthralled by that experience. And I thought, that has to be similar in some way to what you're doing. Hmm. Um, are you referring to like the wonderful feeling when your feet touch the ground again? I mean, <laughs> what, are, what are you? <laughs> no, my actually, what was fun is I got to pull the toggle and, and do a corkscrew um, and really fly that wing a little bit and feel the G-forces and how the air was responding to what I was doing. Yeah. And that feeling when we were still 2000 feet up, right? Yeah. So is it just amazing? Yeah, it's it's amazing. I mean, you're because you're in control. You're I mean, you're in control as far as you can be. So it I know what you're feeling because I have also skydived. It was only tandem um which isn't I don't know. I, I, I can't, didn't do really anything. I was just there experiencing it. And, um, but it is similar in that, you know, nothing else really matters. Only those inputs that you're putting in and reacting with the atmosphere. And so, I mean, I thought it was, I thought skydiving was wonderful too. It was just something that I couldn't really at the time chase, but I think hang gliding itself is that a similar feeling to that. Mm. So how are they different? I'm kind of having... Well, I mean, how are, how is hang gliding and skydiving different? Yeah. Let's, let's talk about when you're under canopy, right? Cause free fall, hopefully you're not going to do that when you're hang gliding. Let's just not go there for now, but <laughs> <laughs> skydiving has free fall, right? But once you're under canopy, how is it different when you're on the hang glider versus under canopy on the parachute? Well, um, I don't really know how well the canopies work. I'm sure they're similar to like paragliding 
um, you know, that, that arc shaped, um, shoot, but they're different because basically it's just the structure and the way the kind of input that you have to put into it. So you're, you have all of those lines connecting to when I'm assuming they're similar, you have all those lines connecting to the canopy and you're sitting in a harness and you're constantly having to change the shape of the wing relative to the wind. Whereas in hang gliders, you know, that structure is already set with the bars. So the amount of input that you have to put into control it is way different because it's weight shift and not necessarily changing the, the shape of the canopy in reaction to the wind to get to move around. I would think that hang gliding then is going to be a little crisper and maybe even more responsive. It's a more yeah. of a subtle art, maybe. I think the the only difference I've really seen is like para, paragliding has to take off in those like softer winds and um and hang gliding can go in higher winds and and I think that we can handle like our own like vessels can handle a lot stronger conditions that you know paragliding or skydiving can because we can like cut through the air better, but I'm, I'm kind of speculating. So I, I don't know if I'm really the most trustworthy person. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm enjoying though so much is your enthusiasm for something that's a relatively new sport. I love that because you know, it's fun when we get people on the show that have done a thousand dives, but then they always are, or a thousand flights or a thousand, whatever. But then they're always like, yeah, well, I, I do this. And when it's someone (laughs) like you, it's like every day is fresh and new and exciting. And that's what's so much yeah. fun, you know? That's awesome. Yeah. So your dude, your yeah. your boyfriend does both paragliding and hang gliding, right? Yeah, he does. He's he's amazing. He's I like I'm jealous of like how good he is at everything. <laughs> does he prefer one over the other? I don't you know, I don't know. I think there's really because I've been hearing him talk because he's like how I am and hang gliding right now how I'm like so excited over every day he's like that in paragliding even though he's already had experience with it um Mm. he told me basically that the convenience of it is you know far greater you have a backpack that you can hike up to a hill and literally fly off of it you can hike up to a mountain and fly off of it and you just can't do that really in a hang glider because it's this when you pack up the actual you know, when you pack up a hang glider, it is like it is like eight feet long and it has like a foot of a diameter. So you're not going to backpack with it is what you're saying. You, yeah, you basically can't. It's kind of hard to put that thing onto your shoulder and hike up the whole mountain with it. And he he was, you know, he talks about that all the time. He's like, it was wonderful. I just walked up to this hill and. And I, in five minutes, I was ready to go fly. And, you know, and that's not really something that you can say about a hang glider unless you're so experienced with it and putting it together that you can actually put it together in six minutes. But that might be like a safety hazard for someone who's new like me. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. I would put it together and then I would double check my put it together. Then I would triple check my put it together. And then I would stop and say, did I get that together right? (laughs) That would be me. Exactly. Yeah. And then I have people check me while I'm in it. I'm like, check it one more time. And then they're about to leave. I'm like, wait, how are you sure you did? (laughs) But, um, but yeah, no, it's just, and from what I've heard from people who, who do both, um, they're really different, um, different kinds of flight which I haven't been able to experience yet. And I really hope to, 
I'm really interested in paragliding, but um, I would rather just become like proficient at hang gliding first before I take on a new sport. Mm, that's, it sounds so delightful. So what is it really <laughs> like to soar like a bird? Oh my gosh, it is so amazing. I like, I found, I found a vulture like underneath me the other day and I saw him circling and I was like, woohoo, like, and I started circling with it. And it was just like, there was no one in the air and I was alone just with this bird. And I was following it because I was like, you have more experience than me. And so, and so there was nothing really like it. It's so, and nowadays, like, like everyone's outside and it's wonderful. Like, I think it's great that everyone like gets out, but it's really hard to be alone in nature unless you're in a place where you have to have permits and, um, and you rarely ever see any other person in the sky. So it's amazing like how silent it is and, and how much time you have to like really appreciate, you know, where you're at. Well, how long have you, uh, let's say this way, what has been one of your longer flights? How, how long are you up there? I think it was like most recently, it was like an hour and a half maybe, which is not long, but it was really fun because I got to, you know, thermal my way up and stay up like over and over again. And, you know, that bird I was talking about was the one that I was following and it helped me find another thermal to get back to the airport, which was really convenient and nice. (laughs) Convenient. Um, (laughs) It's nice to land where you took off from. So were you towed up to start with? Yeah, yeah, I was. They actually dropped me off in a thermal. So I was like, woohoo, like I didn't have to do any work to find it. I just had to work to stay in it. And it was, um, you know, you do the circles when you get in it, just like a paraglider and you're going up and, you know, you hear that beeping of the variometer that like reassures you that you're still in the lift and and it's so much fun. Spring is here and camping season is upon us. Visit our site at 180tech.com for your next camp stove. The 180 stove and smaller 180 flame are combustible fuel stoves, which are designed to burn the fuel that nature provides you at your campsite. There's no need to lug heavy and bulky fuel canisters along with you on the trail. The 180 flame and 180 stove are built in America and have no moving parts to fail you in the field. Check them out at www.180tack.com. Your purchase helps support the Adventure Sports Podcast. So how high were you when you cut loose from the tow plane? I, I don't, so I was told, I didn't look at my very, um, my altimeter, um, when I was dropped off, I think they dropped me off at like 2,300 feet above ground level. So I didn't really gain much altitude than what I was. I lost it, of course, and I was able to gain it back, but I think it was like 2,300 feet, but sometimes they told me to 3,000. So it could have been either of those. Well, let's say that they tell you to 3,000 and there are no thermals and you're just going to glide back down to the ground. How long would that flight be? Oh, um, probably like, oh, I don't know, like 15 minutes, depending on the sink that you're in. 15 wow. or 30 minutes. Yeah, I am like really bad to with like knowing how much time I've been up in the air because when I came down, I thought it was only up for like, 30 minutes and they're like you were up there for forever and I was like oh (laughs) but um 
but yeah, I mean, it really depends on the amount of sink because when there's updrafts, you know, thermals, it's, um, you know, it's the earth that's heating up and something kicks off. The whole atmosphere is a certain temperature. Let's just say that, for example, the atmosphere is a certain temperature and the earth is heating up the air. It's closer to the ground and all of a sudden um, something kicks it up and all of that air bubbles up and just makes this this basically like funnel of right hot rising air so what that means basically around the air around it is that the, the colder air is getting pushed down back to earth because yeah. something needs to replace that air that's getting pushed up so there's like right after i got kicked out of this thermal and i was kind of far away from the airport and i was against the wind i got kicked out of this thermal and there was this huge downdraft that was just like pushing me like 600 feet per minute down and wow. And I was losing a lot of altitude, and that was when I was like, "Oh, I've never landed in the desert before." I don't. <laughs> I was like, and I was realizing, I was like, "I'm in a headwind. I don't think I'm going to get back." So, as it's good to be in the desert because there's nothing here; it's flat. Which I was like, "Okay, that's good." I was like, "Let's just be positive." I was like, "It looks like it's pretty empty out here." And then, um, I luckily I saw that one bird that helped me get back up and get over to the airport, but. So it really depends on the way the temperature, you know, the way the air is behaving depend, depends, will really change, like, how long you're up or or down, potentially. Right. It's so fun to, to think about something that we can't even see, that we're trying to figure <laughs> out, you know, reason out, where is the lift going to be? Where is the sink going to be? Oh, there's the wind. What's it going to do to me? And to try to put that puzzle together so you can actually land close to where you took off from. I mean, that, that I've always thought about that with hot air balloons. Wow, that's hard too. And they can even go up at will, right? But I don't yeah, know. I, it's got to be crazy. I don't know. I've never been in a hot air balloon, but I mean, I don't think I, I mean, that was my really first introduction to like a physical, a visual representation of hot air rising. So I think, I mean, it's, it's like, it's a mystery each time you're in it. You never know where it's going to be, or you can assume based on other people's, you know, knowledge of that location. There's going to be, there's usually hot air rising here, and and um, sometimes there's rotor, there's like turbulent air behind this building if you get closer to the ground. So it's it's just a trick, and I I don't have a lot of experience, so I have to go off of the really experienced people, and and I'm just kind of looking forward to putting myself in those situations where I'm a little bit more uncomfortable with the kind of air I'm around just because you can't see it, but you know, based on other people's experience that it's going to be rough and you're going to have to really be on top of the inputs that you're putting in to the glider. Wow. But how much fun is it to be at the stage where you're learning those things, right? It's, it's so exciting. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. It's nice to be good at things too, but I, I really appreciate learning like a new skill every time I go out there, getting to hone an old skill and get better, you know, things. That's that's a lot of fun. Well, man. So I, I know that our listeners must have a thousand questions I have not asked yet, but here's one. How expensive is it, really? Oh, um, it's, it's really not that expensive to get into. So to start, I believe the basic lesson package is like, around 700 bucks for like seven or 10 flights. So if you're thinking about instruction and flying an aircraft, you know, it's like a hundred bucks a lesson. 
And from there, I'm not quite sure. But I do know that you can get like a really good glider for like two grand and they can last you for like ever. So there's only like that initial cost. Like if you're climbing, you know how you have to buy your, you mostly have to buy your gear once. And if you take care of it, it'll last you forever. It's really similar to that. Mm, okay. It's not, it's not as expensive as mm, the sailplanes were and the actual pilot, you know, instruction was, right. I think both of those were like 160 per flight in total. Um, but really it's just like sailplanes, you're going to be doing it as a hobby. So you kind of have to pick and choose. And if, you know, you can only have so many expensive hobbies if you have a certain income <laughs> sure. and if you're going to, yeah, but I would, um, I would kind of equate it to, I, I don't know. I mean, it reminds me a lot of like trad climbing. You have to have all your, your gear. So it's, it's pretty, it's affordable if you want to put the time and effort into it, which a lot of people don't have that, you know, that opportunity right. nowadays I've noticed. Well, in the training that you're doing, do you have certification levels? Will they sign you off eventually and say, okay, you're the expert, go have fun? So um, there's the U.S. Hang Gliding and Paragliding Association, which is like you pay to be a member. And then um, I think you pay for each rating that you get. So basically um, you have like a hang one, a hang two. I think it goes up to hang five. And that basically, you know, you have to get a sign off from an instructor saying that, you have these certain skills to be a hang one or you have the certain skills to be a hang two. I think hang two is like arrow towing capabilities. So there's certain qualification, there's certain certifications that have, you have to meet the certain criteria and be approved by someone who was certified by the U S HPA, USPA for short, um, in order to fly certain sites that are covered by USPA. I don't think that necessarily means like you're safe. You don't need any advice because there's this like common thing that's called intermediate syndrome that, that I always hear about. And I'm like definitely afraid of having it. It's, you know, novice pilots or pilots that have like 50 to a hundred hours to feel confident in their, you know, they feel confident in their abilities to fly. So they're really hard to take advice from more experienced pilots. You know, they feel like they know it all and they're invincible because they haven't had an accident yet or for some reason or another, they are just really hard-headed. Um, so I think that if even though you have these certifications, it's really to your benefit to go with someone who is more knowledgeable and, you know, really have a small ego and just be open to critical like advice because it's really in the end of the day you know you're putting your own life on the line and you should be around someone who is experienced and who you trust to tell you if you're doing something stupid or tell you if they think it's dangerous you know because most of the time like most of the pilots I've been around are really honest I don't think there's a moment where you can really know it all I think that's wise, and I love what you say because it applies to so many sports. Training matters so much for safety, and most adventure sports are very safe with the right training and the right conditions and all of that sort of thing. And But that's what matters, right, is the training. But that overconfidence yeah. saying, okay, now I know it all, that's what gets us in trouble. Uh, the, yeah. The climbing guide that fell off of the Grand Teton last summer. Yeah. 
You know, he. how many times had he been up there? How many times had he done that rappel? How many times had he taught other people how to do it? But that day, for some reason, it, my understanding is, and I might be wrong, he thought that he was on rope and he was off. And he just yeah. leaned back a little bit, and that was that, you know? And so that's what happens when things become too routine and we think we know what we're doing, and we make those mistakes. And there's, we just really can't allow ourselves to do that. So I, I'm glad you brought that up. I think that really, really matters. And it, it always comes when you have some experience, enough to feel confident, but not enough experience to really, really know, right? Yeah, that's true. And then, you know, in the end, you can do everything right and circumstances decided it was still not, you know. Got to roll um, with the punches. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really fun. I you know, that all of that translates over to your day-to-day experiences. We don't, I don't really, I'm so like, I'm a novice in basically everything. And it's really nice to, to have people around me that help keep me in check. And I think it's pretty, I think it's fun. I think it's a really good community and you build really good relationships with people that you trust. And overall, it's been like a really good experience. So it sounds to me like this has really brought a, a lot of new enthusiasm and enrichment to your life. Am I overstating that or understating that? <laughs> no, no, you're right. You're right. There's it, Overall, I'm happy when I'm on the ground. I'm like totally thankful to be here. I'm like, yes, like this means I did something right. <laughs> nice. But, uh, but yeah, I do. I do appreciate all the time I have and you know, any sport I do when I come back from it, like unscathed or in one piece, I, I'm really thankful. So it sounds to me like in your experience, anyway, adventure sports have uh, really contributed a lot to your joy and happiness. Oh yeah. (laughs) Do you think other people should take up sports? What would be your advice? I think, um, having an open mind when you're when you're going and trying new things, I think, first of all, getting out there is the first part and having an open and positive attitude is really important in order to be successful in anything. Because, you know, most of the time when we try a new sport, we're not very good at it because there's all these like um, mind body connections that you have to have. And, you know, it's like a lot of repetition and anything like mountain biking or, or climbing or flying. We don't know anything off the bat. So it's really important to be positive because all of these experiences translate over to your confidence and real time and um, your day-to-day activities. Mm. Very well said. How fun. Well, do you have a parting story for us? One more story that is either funny or inspirational or somehow illustrates uh, what hang gliding is all about. Oh, man. Um, oh, <laughs> I have this one that's kind of, um, it's kind of like, sad <laughs> it's, funny. Right. it's funny it was sad it was embarrassing for me um i remember it was the other day i was like i was out at the airport where we you know where we fly out of and um you know the people who run it were there like hyping me up they're like oh you're doing so great with your landings so it's like thanks i'm pretty happy like it's wonderful and i usually don't like you know i'm usually not that kind of outwardly confident person um i was like yeah thanks it's great and that first like flight after that I came to land and I tried to land on my feet and um I just didn't flare right so 
I tried, um, my feet were close to the ground and, you know, by the time my feet touched them, I tried running and I felt like I was going like 20 miles an hour. My feet ended up like <laughs> tangling into each other. And I like smacked onto the ground and got the wind knocked out of me. And I was like, wow, like that really hurt. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't think that really, rep- I think that really represents like how humble you should probably be when you're learning a new sport and, you know, hang gliding really managed to check that in me because the moment I started like getting a little bit in over my head it was like immediately like vanquished like any ego was gone <laughs> I was like okay it's like I remember now I'm doing this it's like it's like that was a new experience nice well adventure sports are like that and it, it's like that <laughs> no matter how long you've been doing it too you know you may have been doing something for 20 years and it will still wake you up and say guess what you got to pay attention <laughs> that's kind of the yeah, fun of a, it isn't it yeah, that was a hard, that was a hard lesson that my gut receives. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your excitement for hang gliding with us. I've really enjoyed our time. It went really, really fast. I think it's because yeah. it was just so much fun to to hear how much fun <laughs> you're having. So thank you for that time today. All right. I appreciate it. Thanks. Oh, you bet. And for all the listeners out there, hang gliding. Wow. Doesn't that sound like fun? Until the next show. Make sure that you do something to get out there and have some fun. On Thursday's episode, we've got Andy Liebner here to talk about Nordic ski racing. Until then, hit us up on Patreon and make sure you get out there and have some fun.